Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Father, we thank you. We want just want to give you glory because we just love you, Lord, because you first loved us. No one like you. Speak to us today, Lord. Minister to every one of us. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the love of God, managing conflicts in relationships. I want to talk about this because this is a very important part of our relationships. And this is every kind of relationship. Marriage, of course. Uh, family relationship social relationships and professional relationships there will always be conflict let's start from this premise how do you go from this to this you know when a relationship is like this everybody everybody's fine this is what happens you run on the fuel of emotions and romance and all of that and, and all manners of expedition, everything looks bright. But along the line, you get a day comes when you have this. How do you resolve this so that you can go back to this in a marriage situation? In relationships that are broken down, how do you do that? And that's what I want to talk to you about. And the first thing you need to know is that completely avoiding conflicts in our different relationships is impossible. So if you think you're going to pray there's a special anointing up that can come upon you and you will never have conflicts in marriage. You will never have conflicts in your professional relationships. There will never be conflicts in family relationships or social relationships. Then you are trying to do something that even Jesus Christ himself said is not possible. Luke chapter 17 verse 1, Jesus said, then he said to his disciples, remember these are his disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. Jesus Christ said, it is impossible that no offense should come, all right? It's impossible that no offense should come. So you can't do that. It's not possible. The presence of God in our lives, okay? The presence of God in our lives will not automatically prevent conflicts in relationships. Because God is present, you are born again, you are spirit-filled, you speak in tongues, all right, you have God's presence in your life, it will not automatically preserve, prevent conflicts. Now, you've had this saying, and please listen to me very carefully. You've had this saying over and over again families that pray together stay together. How many of you have ever heard that? Fantastic. I love that. And it is true, it's a true statement, but it's not completely true because there are families that pray together and they're scattered. They're scattered. And the reason is because the prayer brings the presence of God, but it does not automatically prevent conflicts. Why is that so? Let's first look at Mark chapter 9, verse 30 to 34. This is Jesus Christ speaking now. Then he departed from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it. Verse 30, verse 33, he came, sorry, verse 30, then they, they departed from there. So you see the word they there, he's talking about Jesus Christ and his disciples. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me, church? And verse 34 says, then he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? 
They were all coming on the road. Jesus was there. And they were having disputes among themselves. So the very fact that Jesus Christ is in the house, is in your house, is there in your family, does not mean you won't have disputes. You better have to learn the wisdom of God to know how to handle these disputes. Are you with me now? But they kept silent. For on the road, they had disputed among themselves. It is the presence of God. So when we pray together, families that pray together, or when you are prayerful as an individual, so concerning your social relationships, professional relationships, romantic relationships, and family relationships. When you pray, I want you to understand that the way God helps you and me is to give us divine wisdom to provide solutions to the intricate challenges we have in these conflicts, okay, in these relationships, the conflicts we have. So when we are praying, the way we know that we've really connected is the wisdom God gives you and I. The wisdom he gives you and I. In the book of Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus Christ, what did he now do when they were disputing among themselves on the road? What did Jesus do? The Bible says he sat down. That's Jesus now. He called the twelve and said to them. He called the twelve and said to them. He called them and said to them. So, in other words, when you are praying and praying, God doesn't just point his finger and change the heart of the other person. He speaks to you. He gives you what to do. He gives you wisdom on what to do. Amen. Amen. And this wisdom he gives you changes your orientation, leads to paradigm shift for you and for me. This wisdom is what changes our orientation, transforms our thinking. And when our thinking is not transformed, suddenly we become, it's almost like we're a new person. And that's part of that wisdom is what I want to share with you today. Is that, if that's okay with you, say amen, please. So he says, if any one of us lacks wisdom, we should ask him. Now, let's first look at three, it's going to be very simple, three fundamentals of conflict management. So these fundamentals are assumptions people have made and things that has happened. This is just fact, okay? These are facts, rather. Sorry, not assumptions. Facts in conflict management. Are you ready? The first one is this. You have to understand that the sin nature in man is hardwired for conflict. You and I, we're born again now. Praise God for his mercies. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? But you see... The sin nature in us, the sin nature, okay, in us is destroyed. The divine nature has come into us. This is all talking about our spirit. But our mind still has the garbage of our old life. So the process of transformation takes place by the renewing of our minds. Do you agree with me? That renewing of our mind, which is the process of transformation, takes a long time. It takes a long time. Salvation of our spirit is instant. Transformation of our mind is a lifetime. So it's a spectrum. Think of it as a spectrum. Some people, so you get saved here. This is the starting line. Everybody gets saved. That's it. But it's a long line. Some people are here. Some people are here in the process of transformation. They're here. So if you have your wife here, while you are here in your process of transformation, the, both of you are saved, but there's going to be conflict. And it is that gap 
Can you picture, can you visualize what I'm saying now? That gap between you is what leads to the challenge. Now, the first conflict we had in the Bible is Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. And of course, it's the story of Cain and Abel. They had a conflict immediately. There was just a gap. One person understood, you know, had been transformed and followed the process of offering the right sacrifice. The other person did not. All of a sudden, envy came in, and the, and the Bible makes us understand immediately there was conflict. And that conflict led to the first murder. Okay? That's the first thing you need to understand about conflict. So don't say, but I'm surprised. I thought he was a pastor, and he's a pastor in church. No, no, no. Being a pastor in church, a pastor, your husband might be a pastor, might be a reverend, might be a bishop, might be tongue-talking, might be the head of intercessory team in a particular church. All of that does not automatically mean conflict will be avoided. So the shock people get immediately is, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Listen to me. <laughs> but we're hardwired for conflicts. All right. We just need to work on it. The second thing you need to know as a fundamental of conflict is that know that you interpret and view situations through the lenses of what is happening to you, okay, at any given moment. You have to know this. So it is based on what is happening to you at that particular moment that you interpret things. All right? If you're, if you're trusting God for fruit of the womb beyond your wife, and suddenly your wife... Is pregnant. He's been trusting God for 10 years. Suddenly, your wife does the pregnancy test and they say she's pregnant. She goes back after one week, she's pregnant. Two weeks later, she's pregnant. Do you agree with me that your dominant emotions will be joy? Yes. Come on, do you agree with me, be joy? All right, so when you have that kind of emotions, and that's the state you are in, and you're coming to church, and as you're coming to church, you greet me. Ah, good afternoon, Pastor, and I don't answer you. You walk by, a minute later, you see PTA. Ah, good afternoon, PTA. She doesn't answer you. You say, well, it doesn't matter. They're busy. They're busy. You're enjoying yourself. You're moving on. When we get to church, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Because that's where you are right now. So the way you've interpreted me not answering you or she not answering you is based on the state you are. But you're coming for a Friday service. On that Friday morning, they've just told you, called into the boardroom and told you that you've lost a job. And you come in here, People are walking into the church. Meters and greeters are at the door. They're getting people. You're welcome to church. You're welcome to church. Then suddenly, one of them is being pressed to go to the washroom, but he couldn't. He's saying, welcome to church, welcome to church. All of a sudden, he sees you coming for I said, let me quickly. While he's trying to get somebody else to come, say, please, go there. But before the person comes, you come in there. Nobody will come and say, you see? I've always looked at him. He saw me coming. <laughs> he saw me coming. He, uh, you tell people, say, I, he saw me. He, he, saw, he saw me. He saw me. He saw me. He saw me. He wasn't, and it wasn't late at night. He saw me. And he was greeting everybody. But when he came to the he just turned back and he hissed. Now, you can't even, you will add all manners of, you know, nonsense to it. He said, he hissed. He just, if you see the way, he made a sharp turn. He hissed and just looked at me and just walked away. He even rolled his eyes. Ah, ah. It's because of where you are. It does not what happened, but where you are at that particular moment. That's what, that's what it is. You know, I've told you the situation when I was in London and I was, I was going through some things and I eventually 
started a business. When I say business, don't think of it as a multinational business. It was just a hustle, side hustle. So I was buying cars. I was buying cars from mid-England, Liverpool, Birmingham, those kind of places, bringing them to London, advertising them in one particular newspaper in London called Lutz, L-O-O-T, we had in those days. And we were advertising them and then selling the cars. It was cheaper to buy it in mid-England and bring it in. So I wanted to open an account for it. I went to Midland Bank. I got in there, and for some reason, the, the woman was just asking me so many questions. And I've been bruised and battered anyway already. So I just told him, I said, you're being racist. I told her, I said, you're racist. You're being racist, and it's because of my skin color. I told I was just upset. I just vented. Everything that's been happening to me in London, I poured it out. <laughs> then the lady said, you know what? She escalated and brought her manager. Now, this is the amazing part. The manager came. The manager was as black as me. Stood right in front of me, and I was telling the manager, this whole bank is racist. <laughs> and I was telling him, I never once checked his skin color. <laughs> but what I, the, 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 the onslaught of my words was not based on what the lady just said. The lady just asked me simple questions. But it was just, it's based on all the things I've been going through. This was an opportunity to vent. Whether the man is black or he's not black, I couldn't care less. And sometimes you're like that. If your personality is broken or you are previously offended, you are likely to misinterpret the present situation you're in. Titus chapter 1, verse 15, let's look at what it says. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. It's amazing how people misinterpret things. So you say, well, I know. Nobody can convince me. You see, that's why psychologists will call out some of these things that the person is being paranoid. And, and I know there's a place for that in mental health, being paranoid. But I'm, I'm speaking right now from the biblical point of view, okay? From the biblical point of view, some of the things that you say, I know, trust me, I saw it with my two eyes, the way he behaved, and all that stuff, listen to me, it's not just the way they behaved, okay? It's your interpretation. Somebody else will have, missing, will have, will have interpreted that differently. You have to understand, these are the fundamentals of conflicts, okay? These are the fundamentals of conflict. You know, I'm trying to, you're having some things, maybe Thompson says, um, um, Pastor, <coughs> she's coughing at home. <coughs> and I say, ah, are you okay? Are you okay? Let me get you some water. And I go, let's say we're not talking, we're not talking, we're, we're, we're having some situation. And I just, you okay? Yeah. Just let me get some water. I just grab some water. I'm trying to give her the water. And I get there, I want to put the water in, but for some reason I misjudge the distance between the bottle and the table. And it's like that. What do you think he's going to say under that situation? But what I slammed the table. What, why, why did he even bring it? But if we're all laughing, we're all joking before the coughing, and I come and it's like that, she'll say thank you. That's true. You say thank you. You say thank you. So you are judging things not just the way they are. You are seeing it from the way you are. From the way you are. And this, I like this a lot because this helps you and I to be humble, to know that it's not just the person that is wrong. There's something wrong with you also. Thank you, Lord. Number three, I love this one. This third one is one for me that really, really brings the point home for me. Note that 
you judge yourself by your intentions, but you judge other people by their actions. You will always be more liberal in the judgment of yourself, and you will always be more critical in the judgment of others. Jesus explained this when he talks about the speck in your own eyes and all of that. You are going to judge yourself by your intentions and judge people by their actions. Now, have you ever said these words? I didn't mean it that way. Anytime you say those words, remember you're judging yourself by your intentions. Something happens and you say, I didn't, but I didn't mean it that way. No, 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 no. That's not my intention. That's not what I wanted to do. No, that didn't mean at all. I didn't mean it that way at all. Well, you're judging yourself by your intentions now. Your actions, there was a gap between your intention and your actions. You have decided to judge yourself by your intention. But when it comes to other people, so you are very quick to forgive yourself because it's your intention. Your, that's not your intention. No, no, no. That was not my intention at all. At all. That was not my intention at all. Okay? You're quick to forgive yourself. But when it comes to the other person, you hold them to their actions. You don't give them the benefit of the doubt. Even when they're telling you, I don't mean it that way, you say, mm, mm, mm. you never give them the benefit of the doubt. And these are the things that have destroyed relationships. Destroyed relationships. Because you say, well, I didn't mean it that way. You have relationships that, you have, you know, marriages, social relationships, professional relationships, family relationships. We judge ourselves by our intentions. We're very quick to forgive ourselves. But when it comes to another person, we judge them by their actions. We've got to be very, very, very careful about that. And this particular place, the, the gap between intention and actions is where Satan likes to plug in. Satan loves to plug in here. You know, I was, um, uh, during the week, I was in the office and I was speaking to one of our um, precious um, sisters here um, that runs our operations, logistics, all this retreat, she runs all of this stuff. You know, so I was speaking to her and I said, um, you know, I, I said, oh, I didn't get a reply. I sent a text to you to act on certain things. So I said, I didn't get a reply. Now, I sent some other text to her. She's that same, within that same time frame. She's acting on it. So this particular one I, I sent to her, and it was rather very important. I said, I, I didn't get a reply. You know, while we were in the office right there, she said, no, Pastor, no, I didn't get it. I didn't get the text message. Now, minutes before I sent other text messages to her, she got it. She acted on it. I sent this one to her, which was more important to me than the previous ones I've sent to her. She said she didn't get it. She took out her phone right there and there, opened her phone and said, no, Pastor, I didn't get anything. I took out my own phone right there. It says sent. It shows. We're there in the office. These are the things that led to conflict. If there was no benefit of the doubt, that's conflict right there. To her, she's justified. She's, what, why is this man falling on me like, like, you know, like rash all over my skin? <laughs> what, what, what is this problem? I think, but I think God, do you know I didn't get it? And I'm saying to myself, what kind of a rebellious person is this? You see, this is our conflict. All you need to do, step it down. The problem was Steve Jobs. It was not any other person. <laughs> we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That simple text message, SMS, that ought to have just gone in seconds, 
obviously somewhere along the line got stuck somewhere. One prince of Persia was holding it. So as to create conflicts. But you have to make up your mind. Conflict is toxic. Can you say that with me? Conflict is toxic. Say it again, please. Conflict is toxic. One more time. Conflict is toxic. Please never forget that. It is toxic. Nelson Mandela, the late Nelson Mandela, you know, leader, first president of Democratic South Africa, said, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Conflict is toxic. You know, it is so toxic to your Christian life, you can't even begin to imagine it. And some people marinate in conflict. They love it. They enjoy the whole atmosphere of conflict. And then they go to church. Listen to me. If you're in conflict, Jesus Christ said it. If you have an offering, you have a gift, you want to put on your He said, no, leave it. Go back home. Go and sort it out. It's better to sort out the conflict than to come to church. Sort it out. 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 It's quiet. I like it. <laughs> yes. This is the truth. It's the truth. This is the reason why, you know, people will say things to me sometimes. They say, oh, in a particular country, they pray a lot. They pray a lot in that country. Oh, they pray a lot of prayers in that country. The question is, do a random check of the people you know that are Christians that go to church in that country. Half of them are corrupt. They collect bribes. Collect, the other ones are into immorality. The other ones are into all manners of conflict. All manners. What kind of prayer are we praying? What do we think this God is? <laughs> Read Psalm 24 and you understand. Who shall ascend up to his holy hills? The one that has a pure heart and clean hands. Pure heart and clean hands. Pure heart and clean hands. Whose soul is not lifted to an idol? That's the one that can ascend. That's, you cannot even find him. He, say, he says you should pray unto him while he is near. He's not even near. It's Psalm 55, Isaiah 55 verse 1, I think he said, he says, you know, the Lord cannot, it's not like his ear is too heavy that he cannot hear. Uh, he said, or oh, his hand too short that he cannot deliver. He said, but your iniquities, your iniquities. And so you go to place people that are doing up, they're into all manners of things. There's reverie. There's all manners of things. Heavy level of reverie. The type of reverie that children of, children of darkness are saying, ah, uh ah, -uh, this is beyond me. <laughs> we see, we find it, it's church, we're finding it. What kind of prayer are we praying? Let's not deceive ourselves. There's, that's not, that prayer is going nowhere. It's going nowhere. Nowhere. And they will say, oh, we don't know why. We don't know why things are happening. Of course, we know why things are happening. We know why things are happening that way. Let's get to this. What are the rules of engagement? Let me give you four of them and let me close. I have a council meeting. I'm going to. I want to take your case to the council meeting. No, this one is actually for good. I'm taking your case there. What are the rules of engagement in conflict management? Are you ready? 12 rules, but I'm not giving you the 12, just to let you know. I want to just run through four of them. Yeah, but I need to tell you that there are many God has helped me to know. But I just want to give you a few of them. Let's walk on to them. Let's go to first, after the first one. Number one, go after the issue, not the person. That's the first rule. Go after the issue, not the person. Don't go after the person. Don't attack the person. Strictly keep the conversation to the issue at hand. Don't make it about the person. And you know how you know you're not making it about the person? When you don't go back into the history 
Oh, he's always like that. He's always, no, every time he's always like that. That's what he's always, the Bible says love does not keep a record of evil. First Corinthians chapter 13. Love keeps no record of evil. In other words, we have a particular conflict right now. When we sort it out, delete. We delete. If I send the text message to that precious um, co-worker of mine, you know, if I send a text message to her tomorrow now and she still does not find it, I will not come back and say, she, you are always like that. No. Yeah, that means I'm keeping a record of evil. I have to know that he, the same person that makes his mercies new, come on, every morning. My own mercies also must be new every morning. Yesterday is gone. This is today. My mercies must be new every morning. Your mercies must be new, come on now, every morning. You have to practice that. Don't make it about the person. Don't resort to name calling or character assassination. Oh, you need to see how some couples fight. If you see how some couples fight, you will never believe that they live together or they've known each other before. When they fight, they bring out all the nuclear weapons. Say, ah, 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 ah. Look at you, look at you, look at you. Yeah, look at you. Where, where, where are you going to go to? Which man will look at you? Look at you, look at you. Look at yourself. If not for me, that brought salvation to your whole family. Am I not the one that brought your family? Your brother. Who help your brother? Who help your sister? Who help your father? Who help your mother? What? Why are you? Then later on, you say, I'm sorry. I'm, then later on, somebody comes, the counselor comes in, helps both of you, you patch it, but those words are ringing. Yeah. They're ringing. You have gone, but your, your words are still there, standing. They're like bars of iron. Don't make it about the person. Don't make it about the person. This is the issue we're dealing with right now. Let's deal with this issue. Let's sort out the issue. Why are you making it about the person? Why are you assassinating the character? Why are you going to have an issue and say, look at you. You're not even aware. You cannot cook. You can't cook. You can't keep the home. I have to be the one to do everything in this house. Tell me exactly what you do in this house. Now, when you tell a woman, you attack her a call like that. You've destroyed her. You look at the man and say, what are you good for? Is this where your mates are? Tell me. You say you work, you work. We haven't seen anything. Look at you. How much are you earning like, actually again? <laughs> Who has been paying the mortgage of this house? You can't even pay everything. We have to be sharing the bill. You pay electricity, I pay for the water, you pay for gas, I pay for phone. Look at you. Is this is where your mates are? Uber driver. I'm telling you what people say to their husbands. And you cut him down, and cut him down, and cut him down. Then one day, the man does cyber security course, gets a job in cyber security, is earning six figures, and everything. He goes out, you go out with some family friends, he sits on the table with them. They're having a conversation about Russia, Navani, uh, you know, Ukraine, and all that, and you want him to join. He can't talk, because he's hearing his head. You're nothing. There's nothing you can do. You're good for nothing. You're not where your mates are. Now his mates are here now. He can't talk because he's hearing you're not where your mates are. Then you get back and say, why are you not talking? Why were you so shy? Why did you not say something? Why did you not? He can't. You've turned him into a lizard. <laughs> and the man is an alligator. <laughs> I see, I see, you know, I see, I see this happen all the time. People take their wives, they call their wife down, call their wife down, call their wife down. And then one day they do their birthday, then they give the mic and say, oh, um, um, my wife would like to do a vote of thanks on behalf of everybody. And the woman picks the microphone, 
She opens her mouth. You know that she needs brighter grammar. <laughs> she can't talk. She can't communicate. She can't say anything. He says, I just want to say. She can't even look at the people. Oh, well, I just want to thank you, everybody, for coming. And thank you for coming to make the day for our family. Thank you, everyone. a disgrace to you. That's your report card. Turn your wife into somebody like that. Give the microphone to your wife and your wife say, hey, hello everyone. Thank you so much. And your wife speaks confidently. That's your report card as a man. Don't cut down on your husband that your husband doesn't know anything to do. Your husband is one carrying your bag and following you. Then one day you are in a place where he carries back. Give me the bag, don't let anybody see. Don't give me the bag. <laughs> it don't work that way at all. It doesn't work that way at all. Carry bag. Me, carry bag. Shaka for your last If the bag is there, snafosh efei na kefiala sabataya. Why? Why? The bag will better remain there. I can't even imagine myself. I'm carrying the bag. <laughs> to do what? Every other thing I will carry for her, but not the handbag. That's my personal preference. You know, you gotta be on preference. That's my personal preference. Every other thing I will carry. I don't mind. She can sit down. I can bring breakfast to her. I can clear the plates. I, I do all of that. But handbag. Something tells me in my head, and now, and now I have now been demoted to be the wife. It cannot happen to me. And you see some men, they carry gladly. The woman has reduced, reduced woman. We don't know who is the wife, we don't know who is the husband. And because they've reduced the person. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> ah, God is a good God. You don't need to agree with me. That's my own preference. If you want to get to my doing that, you can do that. Carrying your husband's bag, your wife's bag, or husband's bag. Yeah. <laughs> After the issue, not the person. So Ephesians says, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Don't assassinate people's character. You're always a liar. You're always a liar. You lie too much. You lie to a liar. Now, uh, uh, okay, this particular issue, he said he went to Brampton, but they found him in Mrs. Saga. But <laughs> we, are, we agree, we agree that on this particular issue, you know, his statements were not, are not necessarily consistent with what happened, you understand? So, you know, deal with this issue. Don't say you always lie. I don't even know. You know, when you go into all of that, you know, and your words are powerful. Do, do you know the meaning of the name if? The name of the, the meaning of the name if is just not in nomenclature, it's not a label. It's the mother of the mother of the living. You're in your house, you are Pronouncing such words, 
You are betting something. The woman is the womb man. You are betting something. You're a liar. You always lie. You always lie. Every time you open your mouth, it's lie, lie, lie. And it runs in your family. Now, now, when you do that in the house, the man now begins to struggle to say the truth. Because you have batted something. You've allowed yourself to be open up for lying spirits to come into the family. Then the man now begins to behave your prophecy. Can't do that. You can't do that. Number two, rules of engagement. Talk softly. This is very powerful. Talk softly. You know, <laughs> particularly we that we have um, African backgrounds, naturally, we are not given to soft talk. Come on, is that, is that true? Yeah. When you go to the airport and you see somebody that is that has black pigmentation. One of the ways you know, mm, is this one African or not? When they're on the phone, just wait for their phone to ring. Hello, yeah, how are you? Yes, yes. You know straight away, you even know this one is a Nigerian for sure. The, we don't have, when my son was very, very young, one day he woke up to me and he said, woke up to me and said, are you, are you upset about something? We said, no, we're not upset. He said, because both of you are yelling at each other. I said, no, we are not yelling. We are talking. <laughs> it's not, we're having a conversation here. And I realized, hey, so our voices were raised. It's normal decibel. So I had to tell her, listen, let's tap this thing down. Because this one, does, they don't understand it. We have to know that it talks softly. When, they, when you speak softly, you take the negative energy out of the conversation. Intentionally dial it down straight. So, I don't like what you don't do. I just came back home. Look at the whole thing is not. I was just trying to take it down. You see, if you meet negative energy with negative energy, you're going to have nuclear fission. Boom! That's what's going to happen in the house. Talk softly. Talking softly allows you to listen also actively to the complaints and respond instead of reacting. There's a big difference. You respond, you don't react. You see, reaction, if you do did anything in the sciences, you know about reaction. Reaction takes, reaction, the whole idea, the concept of reaction is that it takes in energy and gives out energy. Energy is never lost, it's only converted. Brings in energy, the negative energy, and by the time you unleash it, that's what happens. Energy. Energy. So you have to respond. It means you kill that negative energy first. Then you respond. You are now able to see the issue to complain. And when you respond, it leads to this third thing. Have you, did you get this? It leads to this next thing. Oh, no, this is what the Bible says. This is the scripture. A soft answer turns away rot. Did you see that? And a harsh word. What does it do? That's it. Always stays up anger. Then listen to this time. You see, when you are responding, you listen respectfully. You listen respectfully. You see, when people feel strongly about something, it's only fair to hear them out. Oh, this is a big mistake we all make. Please, let me st stop at this moment and talk directly to parents. I don't know about parents 
in other parts of the world, but in the Western world, please listen very carefully to me. If you're a parent, online family, you're here in person, please, in the name of Jesus, you will not lose your children. Amen. This is the wisdom, please. Listen carefully. Make sure you are listening to them respectfully. Don't be dismissive of them. Because when you're dismissive of them, I guarantee you they're talking to somebody else. Let me repeat that statement again. When your children want to say something to you, and you, you dismiss them just the way your own parents dismissed you, that was in that particular culture, in that context, in that generation. And you think that is parenting. If you don't listen to them respectfully, and I will tell you what that means in, in a few minutes. You are shutting them down, and then you say, what was it you wanted to tell me? No, nothing. What happens is that they pick the phone, they talk to somebody else. There's something called kids' help phone. It's a charity. They, pick, they taught them in school already. They tell them in school. They pick the phone, they call that charity, and they start talking to somebody there. The person they're talking to there has all manners of dangerous orientations and, and different worldview to yours. And they can't talk to you, but they're talking to them. Five years down the road, you see the harvest because you couldn't allow them to talk to you. When you want to talk to a kid, be on the same eye level with them. That's how you respect them. So the respect, respecting the kid means you are on the same high level. So if you have to take them, put them on the table, and you sit down, and you are almost approximately on the same high level, not top to top down. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking to parents now. I'm talking directly to parents because a lot of you have just moved to this country. You know, they slap and belt and push and all of that that you do from where you're coming from, where they did to you. Please don't do that here. There's child services here in Canada. All right? Don't, you don't want them to come and be harassing you. And you know, if they take a child from you, <laughs> to get that child back is not a joke. You don't want to do that. All right? And you know, in this country, if the child has any particular kind of issue, their teacher or if it's a family doctor or any other person, they are under obligation to report it. They, they have to report it. So that's why you have to be extremely careful. You have to be very careful. Listen to them. Let's hear what they want to say. Let's hear it. Don't say, um, we're eating panadam in this house tonight. That's what we're going to eat. So, mom, I don't want to eat it. Hey, that's, everybody's going to eat that. Okay? I'm your mother. Then the child does not eat. Does not eat. He said, I cannot eat it. Gets back to school in the morning. <laughs> and the child is looking. And he said, James, James, you're right. <laughs> and James, James says, James said, yeah. So what's wrong with this? I'm hungry. Ah. Did you know it? my mother did not give me anything at home? Ah. Ah. It's quickly they will arrange a sandwich, give the person the drink, everything. The next thing, ta 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 ta. They're ringing. Hello? Yeah. We have a child here. We just wanted to let you know. His name is um, James Badamosi. I The report. The next thing, as you are getting back from home at work, they're knocking at the door. Da, da, da. He said, are you Mr. Badamos? Badamos, see? He said, ah, yeah, that's me. He said, can we come in, please? They step in. You see, three or four of them, they've come in. 
the next thing, they tell, they just, you're saying, what is the whole issue? What is this issue? They said, please, one second, please. Somebody has come, is interviewing you, another person has come, is interviewing James. And they ask James, tell us, show us your room. They take James to his room. When they get to the room, the whole bed is all over the place. They say, James, where do you sleep? He says, sometimes, you know, my mother really is upset with me that I didn't make my bed. And she uses this belt sometimes. <laughs> it's over. Just know that at that point, you now begin to call the church office. Please, I need to speak to PWA. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling you now. Listen to me. Of course, there will always be, we can always pray, there's nothing we cannot do, but at that point, they're going to be looking for foster home. That's it, foster home. And you know, it's not everybody that is in this country that you agree with their beliefs. God forbid that they not put that child on that somebody that you don't agree with their beliefs. That's how that child is lost. All because you want to force them to eat pandadiam. There are other ways of doing it. There are other ways of doing it. You can explain. You know, we Africans, we don't like to explain anything. As parents, we believe, just jump. And we explain the children, just say, how high? You, 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 in this country, you see them, why don't you like it? Well, I don't like it. This is my friends don't eat it. No, you tell them, well, this is this. And you explain to them. When I used to, I used to explain to my son, he would tell me that when you eat it, you go to bed straight away. I said, it's not like that, you know, it's not. So when he sees me want, wanting to eat it, he says to me, he say, do you want to go to bed? I said, no. I said, I, said, I said, one day I told him, I said, you know, I said, you know, I said, your grandfather, your grandfather and your great-grandfather, they eat this thing in the morning and they get to work. He said, how? <laughs> I said, so, so you have to tell him. And sometimes you say, well, you know what? That's okay, you eat what you're going to eat, but on Saturday night, we're all going to have a family meal, all right? So we're going to do this first, then we're going to go to eat our favorite meal, then we're going to take ice cream. Is that okay, everyone? Yay! All right. Then that's how you begin to take it. Explain to them. Explain to them. I mean, by the way, he takes it and he enjoys it. Yes, we'll do it. We've got to do it. Acknowledge their feelings through active listening, either verbally or through focused attention. So you're focused on them, or you are summarizing what you're hearing, verbalizing it. Okay, I, I, you, and I'll get to that in a few minutes. You ask for clarity. You ask, you know, that's how you, you listen. You tell them to talk. Let them talk. Sometimes they just want to talk. Particularly if it's a romantic relationship, husband and wife. If it's a woman, let them, they want to talk. If it's a man also, the man wants to talk. Let them talk. Let them express themselves. Don't cut in. You listen to them. You listen to them. They, they talk about this and this and that and that. Many things are they vent. Let them let them go. Leave it. Let them go on. They're excelling. Leave it. Don't let them bottle it in. Because they're going to tell their friend. And that friend is going to plant weed in them. And you will reap the weed. So let them tell you. Acknowledge your feelings. Let them know I, 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 I understand how you're feeling. I, I, I get it. I get it. You know? And start from there. Start from a point of agreement before you get to the place of explanation. Start from a point of agreement before you get to the place of explanation. Don't just jump and start explaining everything. 
Oh, well, the reason why this was this was this. The reason why I did was this. You see, you see now, you didn't understand me. There is no, start from agreeing. Find something to agree with. Even if it's just, I can understand why you're feeling this way. I, I agree with you that. If I was in your shoes also, I feel that way. You started from agreement. Then you can now start gradually moving to explaining your point of view. Does this make sense? And this is, what, this is what that means. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. The goal is not to get your own point across. The goal is to understand the person that says they have a grievance or grievance. The goal is not to get your own point across. Okay? You're not, you're not trying to win an argument. You're trying to save a relationship. Never forget that. Your goal is not to win an argument. It's to save a relationship. I must list this to you. When conflict develops and you don't handle it well, you are making a statement that that relationship is no longer necessary in your life. And you better be right. You better be right. I'm talking of social relationships now and professional relationships. You better be right. Because if you burn the bridge, when the day comes when you will need that relationship, you can't get back to it. You can't get back to it. You can't get back to it. You better be right. Seek to understand before you look or you seek to be understood. All right? It means saving your point of view until after you have let the other party know you understand while they feel intensely about the subject of discussion. Let, because you see, when people are grieved or they are offended, they usually will lead with their emotions. They don't lead with logic. They lead with emotions. You know, they're so upset. They tighten up in, they tighten up in the emotions of it. They caught up in the whole emotions of it. They lead with their emotions. You know, speak softly and let them express their feelings. The logic of everything they're saying might not be right. There might be explanations to it. But if you don't let them finish and you cutting in the middle, you are just going to aggravate that feeling. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you are looking lost a little bit. Or oh, you're sinking in. Yes, yes. And you're thinking back to some relationships you've lost because you didn't, you didn't handle it this way. Listen, you listen. And you know, this is where humility comes in a lot. A lot. I see this particularly because of our tradition in Africa. You know, many of us come from Africa and Caribbean islands, whereby if age is always right, ah, we've got to be very careful about this. You've got to be very, very careful about this. The only person that is always right is God. Every other human being can be wrong. There's no human being that can say this year, 2024, they've not been wrong. Nobody. Nobody. And maybe you should understand a big difference between ministering under the anointing, okay, the anointing to minister, all right, and living so there's spirit within and spirit upon. So maybe when you see a man of God or a woman of God and they minister based on the spirit upon, you think they're perfect. They're not. They're not. When they live their life outside of here, they're not living based on the anointing upon. They're living based on the spirit within, the work of the Holy Spirit within them for transformation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. 
That's why for you that are yet to be married, don't just go to a place and you see somebody in church, maybe they, they're leading prayer in Ignite Church, and you hear somebody pray, ah, you said that brother is deep, man. The brother has junk in his head. Junk! Junk! And the brother is quoting scripture. And he's not quoting normal scriptures. You know, there are normal scriptures in the Bible, what Pentecostals would call normal scriptures. You know, normal scriptures, Deuteronomy 28, verse 13, you know, and be the head and not the tail, Psalm 1, verse 3, whatever I lay my hands on shall prosper. Different! The man is quoting Zephaniah, Haggai, Obadiah. And I mean, I mean, he's <laughs> intimidated everybody. He said, hmm, now hmm, hmm, now hmm. You know, Nahum one seven, Nahum one nine. And you're like, what? Is it Nahum in the Bible? <laughs> and this man is quoting it, he's saying it, he's quoting it. In three translations, in the NLT translation, he says, <laughs> in translations you have never heard of. <laughs> and you said to yourself, you say, ah, man, that brother is deep. So I like that brother. And the brother comes to you, you say, then you don't know that this brother is a mess. Junk in his head. A lot of junk cannot handle a woman. He does not understand. Listen to me. A lot of men from African African uh, um, um, culture. I don't know too much about the Caribbean culture, but a lot of men don't know how to handle a woman. A woman is a flower. A woman is a flower. They're very delicate by nature. You have to pay attention. You have to care for them. You have to water them. You understand? So that their beauty can come out. You understand? You can't be rough with a woman. A woman is not a man. You know, many, many men understand that. You're walking with your wife, maybe you're coming to church sometimes, you're coming, you're almost close to each other. You can't see what's going on. But your wife, you know, because men sometimes, we have narrow vision, women have peripheral vision. There is more developed than that of man. I'm sure you understand that medically, biologically, the two hemispheres of the brain of a man are not well joined together. <laughs> okay, that's not the way to say it. The way to say it, okay, sorry. The, the way, no, but this is, this is true. Anatomically, the way to say it actually is that there are more connections between the two hemispheres of the brain of a woman than run for men. That's why women can multitask. That's why they can multitask. They can balance different things. A woman can be cooking, taking care of the baby, doing this, picking up the phone, doing all of that, and changing at the same time. When you tell a man, one of those things, <laughs> three of those things are going to be ruined. What is cooking is going to be burnt. He can't figure it out. He can't figure it out. He's stressed already. One of my sons is here. The wife traveled to Africa. He has two sons. And um, before the wife went, the wife has set up everything. The clothes they're going to wear, day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But I think three or four days later, the man was so stressed, he was calling the woman in Africa. Hello, how are you? So he was stressed. This is everything all set up. So when the woman came, the woman said, but I do this thing all the time. I, everything is because the brain. Our brains are not well done. And this is the reason why you can be coming to church now, or you're going to a place, you're going to visit a family. All right? You come out of the car. Your wife might have very fair vision. You're going to a party. She's already picked that some other people have come out of the car there. She's picked that somebody else is there. At this point, 
she wants you to show connection to her. So she puts off, put her hand towards you. You take your hand. <laughs> you don't understand. She just wants you to hold her hand gently. At that point, our love language is touch, physical touch. Sometimes she just wants you to put your hand on her shoulder and all of that. Someone says, but my wife, my wife is 65. It doesn't matter. Even if you're... <laughs> Shall we? Let's close this. <laughs> let's, let's close this. Listen to me. That means you don't understand a woman. A woman never outgrows being a woman. Yes. Men, write it down. It's a major note. No matter how old they are, they never outgrow being a woman. You have to understand that, which means they will always, love will still be a very important thing. They want to be wanted. You understand? They want it. They want to be pursued. No matter how many years, I've been married for over 28 years, I still have to pursue my wife. It's, it's, I'm telling, listen to me, man, if you want to have a good relationship, you can't just say, do you take this woman as a lovely wedded wife to have and to hold for better and for worse, today do your part? I do. Okay, and from then on, you don't pursue her anymore. You don't chase her anymore. For you, it's just, just it. So two years later, the woman says, you have changed. The woman says, you have changed. She says, I have not changed. I have not changed. No, you have to understand, she still wants to be chased. The same way you chased her all over the whole place. You don't like giving flowers to people, but you bought one. You bought a flower, you went to give her a flower. You gave her a card. You wrote some of you that are good, you're very good. You beat Nobel laureates in literature. You know, you write poems, you write poetry, you do all of that. You good, you're gonna continue. If you write poem to get your wife, listen to me. You better go and buy books, volume one, volume two, volume three, and continue writing the poems. You will need it, bro. <laughs> You can't just stop now and say, well, by the grace of God, we've been married for 40 years now. My wife has always been with me. No! She still needs all of that. She still needs you from time to time to open the door of the car for her, to allow her to get in, open the door for her, tell her, honey, honey, walking. She needs that. She is sure, she is, you see, when you do that for a woman, you are investing in her. She's seeing you the same way. She's seeing herself as being valuable again. All right, let's take it a bit deeper now for married, for married people. The two times you're wearing where your wife is most vulnerable, immediately after sex and when she's pregnant. She's most vulnerable. Be sensitive to that time. Don't just have sex with your wife and jump up off the bed and say, ah, Asna, how are you? <laughs> what is that? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? What kind of a thing is that? Oh, boy. I'm going to go now. Please. Why can you come, please? These people are, oh, my God, they're stopping me. You can't do that, he's an African man. Listen to me, he doesn't work that way. She feels vulnerable. At a point, you hold her. Ah, no, okay, okay, I'm not a sexual actor. Don't, don't push me, I'm not going deeper than that. Sanctify your mind. And there are singles in our midst. But if it was a marriage seminar, I would go deeper than that. 
You, you go, and then your wife is pregnant. You know, her whole body, her nose is bigger, her ears are bigger. No, 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 no. This is a fact. Her nose, are, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Listen to me. You know, she's, she's having nausea, she's spitting, she has saliva in her mouth and everything. And you are walking in front. Ah, we're expecting a baby. What do you mean? <laughs> you, you can't do that. You hold her hands. You tell her, honey, are you okay? Careful, careful, careful. She shows, you are showing that she's valuable. No, that's not the time to say, ah, honey. That's not the time to say, honey, honey, honey. You have spit in your mouth again. You can't spit it. No. You know, that even if you are irritated, bro, you cost it. You understand? <laughs> you cost it. Maybe you have not heard You don't know. You cost this. Okay? So you have to share it together at that point. If you know how many, how many? If you know how many stores I ran to, I went to all over the place when my wife was pregnant, looking for bitter cola. Hey, is, do you sell this? No. I, there was everywhere, I was running everywhere. It's something you've cost. And please, another thing, please, for men, important. Please never body shame your wife. Please never, never do that. She will never, she will not easily forgive you. Don't you ever body shame her. Don't ever tell your wife, stand on the scale. And if you go into the washroom and your wife is on the scale, don't look. Oh, I gotta go, I gotta go. I think I'm gonna stop here now. I'm gonna stop here. <laughs> I'm gonna stop here. Because you see, listen to me. Your wife is already conscious. She's already conscious. She stands on the scale, is reading 350. <laughs> you understand? And here you come, you come in to the washroom to brush your teeth. Only what's that? Hey! <laughs> no. No, no, no. Never, never body shame your wife. Never body shame your wife. Don't, listen to me, don't make fun of anything she's wearing. If you don't like it, don't make fun of anything she's wearing. If she wears something that you don't like, please be very careful how you're going to express your opinion about it. Because if you express your opinion too strongly, she will take it personal. That maybe she, is, she as a person is the one not looking good. When your wife dresses up and she says, do you like this? <laughs> Listen to me, man. I'm trying to help your marriage now. That is a tricky question. Very tricky question. Don't just think because you're smart, you have a PhD, you know the answer. Listen to me, be very careful how you answer. She says, do you like this? Okay. Then you say, your first answer must always be, I love it. <laughs> now, what is going to be your first answer? I'm trying to help your marriage here. Yeah. I love it is your first answer. It is from that point on that you now begin to provide options. 
Because every option you are going to give, if you don't first say you like what she has chosen, is the wrong option. So you have to first say, oh, I love it. Looks good. I love it. Can we, do you, can, can we, the shoes, what other options of shoes do you have? What other, you have to now have a conversation. And if she comes to you and says, do you like this? Don't say, it's good, let's go. No, there is a reason why she's saying that. She wants your affirmation. You're the husband. She wants to hear from you. She doesn't just want to hear from other people. She wants to hear from you. You have to say something. <laughs> One of the biggest mistakes you can make is for your wife to change her hairstyle. You don't notice it. Four weeks later. She's not bringing her, you didn't even say anything about my hair. He said, it's not the one you've had long ago. You have, you should see a counselor immediately. You can't do that. You can't do that. You have to notice it. Because don't forget the woman is the flower. You have to tend it. You have to notice it. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Oh, you don't know it's hard work to get married? It's hard work. You think for men, you think marriage is just sex? Oh, you think marriage is just a license to have sex with under the permission of God? You are joking. It's a lot of hard work you have to do. If you travel out or you travel anywhere, buy something for your wife, no matter how little. You see? You see? It's not about what you saw. She has a lot of things. No, it's about what it means is that I was thinking about you even when I was away. That's what it communicates. I was thinking about you even when I was away. She said, do you buy anything? Did you, did you get anything? She said, oh, all I brought is books. Ah, you will read a lot. <laughs> you read a lot. You read a lot. And there's some men don't understand something. They put on a shirt. She says, she says um, where are you going again? It's Saturday night or it's Sunday evening. So yeah, um, now I told you, my friend, I'm going to look at some things. to want to discuss some real estate. And he said, you do you want to come with me? You know, the man says, no, no, I don't want to come. He said, um, why are you looking like that now? I want to go. Can I go? He says, yeah, you can go. <laughs> then you come back two weeks later. When you have an issue, you say, but you still have to go. What it means that you don't have an interpreter in your head. <laughs> Listen to me. When you're married, you need to have an interpreter. What, when she says you can go, she means you better take off your shirt and sit down in the house. <laughs> Come on, women, is that not true? This thing, it, takes me, it took me a long time to understand it though. When she says, you see, oh, you can go, it's different from, you can go. That just immediately means, when she say, when, when, if I hear Thompson say that, straight away I take my key, I put it back in the drawer, I put it there because I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, I'm in trouble. And it's better I sort out the trouble now because it's going to continue to grow. Yeah. That real estate I say I want to go and buy, it will no longer be real. It will be virtual. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is dealt with you. You're going to understand women. Oh. Let's, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. Listen respectfully. First Corinthians says, don't behave rudely. Number four, I'm just going to rush through this. You know, get curious, not defensive. 
defending yourself by vehemently protesting your innocence sends the message that the other person is not valued. Enough for you to listen, all right? Defending yourself by turning the table against the other party and attacking them only escalates the fight. Don't defend yourself. Get curious. What does get curious mean? It means instead of defensiveness, ask for more information. Ask for details. Ask for clarification. Ask for clarification. If both of you were standing when you were talking, tell them, honey, can we sit down and sit down and look at her in the eye and ask for clarification? I want, I just tell her, I, I just want to speak softly. And just, I just want to understand. I know you're feeling this way and I, and I understand why you should feel this way. But I just want to, I'm just asking for clarification. I want to understand, you know, and then she talks to you or he talks to you. And if it's in a social relationship, sit down. Talk to them. If it's a family relationship, the same thing. Get curious, not defensive. When you meet a complaint with curiosity, you create room for understanding. When you create room for understanding, you create room for an ongoing relationship. This is very important. It's a summary of everything I've said. When you meet a complaint with curiosity, you're creating room for understanding. And when you create room for understanding, you're creating room all right, for the relationship to continue to develop. Have you learned anything in these last four weeks? Where there's room for understanding, there's always room for resolution. Where there's room for understanding. But it starts with you creating that room. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in these last four weeks. We give you the praise forevermore. Blessed be your name, Lord. We appreciate you for your wisdom. Spirit of the living God, we honor you. Thank you. And thank you. And thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, everybody, give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We honor you. I want to pray for you as we bring this, draw the curtain on this particular one. I hope at least listen to this again on YouTube. You know, if you have to sit down with your spouse, listen to it also concerning your professional relationships, apply the principles concerning parenting, you know. At least take something out in these last four weeks. One or two things that you can use to enhance your present relationships. Change where you need to change. Reinforce the things you already know that you've heard from this, and God will help you. I want also just pray, I want to pray for you just simply this morning for grace. Grace to be able to carry this out. Lift your hands and just ask God for grace. Grace, Lord. I'm asking for grace. You've shown, you've granted me a lot of wisdom in these last four weeks. I've learned a lot from you, Holy Spirit. And I'm grateful. I'm just asking for grace, Lord, to take the one that is mine, that I can use, Lord, to enhance my marriage, to enhance my social relationships, to enhance my professional relationships, to enhance my family relationships. Oh, my Father, Nakovazevia. I'm asking for grace, oh God, to do. I don't want to be a hearer only. I want to be a doer of your word. Grace to do it. I'm asking for you. 
in the name of Jesus. I don't want to be a hearer only. I want to be a doer of your word. Grant me grace to be a doer of your word. In the name of Jesus. Katafuzanaya. Viglando mozavia langaruzavie. Oh, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. For all those that are really, really sincere, they want to enhance their relationships, lift your hands as I pray for you. A simple prayer, but very powerful and potent. Father, I present all of these precious ones before you. Be it their marriage relationships, social relationships, professional relationships, family relationships, relationships between parents and children, or children and parents, in places where there have been conflicts, where there have been pain, hurt, first and foremost, Father, once again, Lord, I ask that you stretch forth your hand, Lord God of heaven, by your Holy Spirit, and bring deep-seated healings to the heart of every one of them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. For all the things we have learned this month, everyone that is here in our online family also, whatever, whether it's only one sentence, whether it's only one principle of everything we've learned, that will enhance them, enhance their relationships in the different aspects. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will bring it to their remembrance. Amen. Grant them grace to implement it in Jesus' name. Amen. Your word says when we hear the word, Satan comes to steal that seed that's been planted in our heart so that it doesn't bear fruit. Today I take authority over the force of darkness that wants to steal the seed of this word in the heart of your people. I bind that force in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray that, Father, this seed will constantly be watered by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' mighty name. And it will bear fruit. In their marriages, it will bear fruit of peace. In their social relationships, it will bear fruit. Professional relationships, it will bear fruit. Family relationships, it will bear fruit. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all of us together will continue to grow and be bound together in love in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Somebody open their mouth and give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on, if you've enjoyed it, give him a shout of praise. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.